Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. So Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, y'all doing okay? Happy New Decade. Maybe. Depends on who you're reading. You know, there's a great debate out there uh, about whether the, the new decade began Wednesday or whether it's going to begin, you know, in January 1 of 2021. And I know, you know, you've been losing sleep over wondering which one is right. You know, it's, regardless of your stand on this life-altering debate, we're glad you're here. Glad you're here today and that God brought you here. You know, one of the things that's kind of fun to think about is the way that cultures all over the world celebrate bringing in a new year. And I read a a, a few this week, a couple just to to mention. In the Philippines, one of the things homeowners there do is on New Year's Eve, uh, that evening, before they go to bed, they open all their doors and windows and they're trying to metaphorically let all the negative energy out and let some new uh, positive energy in for the, the coming year. And so then they shut their doors and windows on, on New Year's Day. Uh, in parts of Russia, they have a custom where you write your wish for the new year, your greatest hope, on a piece of paper. Um, and then you burn it and you collect the ashes and you put it in a glass of champagne and you drink ashy champagne. Um, you know, I, I would imagine somebody's writing their list really small. You know, so they don't have a lot of ashes in there. You know, in Charleston, um, there's the, the polar bear plunge out at Folly Beach and, and Sullivan's. Anybody, anybody do the, the plunge this year? Any, any polar bear plungers? We got one over there. Okay, okay, we got some plungers. That's great. Just lots of ways to, to celebrate uh, a new year. All kinds of great traditions. And most of them are about some kind of new beginning, about a, a fresh start, great hopes, um, just a unique way to celebrate. And, but many of those celebrations also take some time to, uh, to, to reflect on the past a little bit and, and think about what's, what's been. And I've done a little bit of that kind of celebrating and, and reflecting reflecting uh, on for our church just what what God has brought us through uh, yesterday I stood out on our main hallway and kind of just stood in front of that timeline of just the blessings of God just his great grace that he's poured out uh, on on this church for the last 75 plus 77 years something like that uh, how he's blessed us with his presence and his power and as I reflected on that it wasn't so much the events as I was able to put people's faces some of your faces in a lot of those events a lot of the things that that God did and we, we have so much to celebrate the the numbers of baptisms that I've I've been privileged to to witness uh, at, at, at this church over the 30 years that I've been on staff and even before that when I was a teenager and uh, witnessed my own baptism coming to Christ through the ministry of this church. We just we have so much to celebrate. Next Sunday we're going to do a little celebrating. Um, we're going to do a message, kind of a state of the church message and we're going to celebrate some. We're going to talk about some really big challenges that we face as a church in, in the coming year, coming decade. Um, but just, just thinking about all that, that God has done in this great, great faith race that he's given us and so whether you were baptized 10 weeks ago or 10 years ago or long before that we we all know that God's word 
says that we're, we're, we're in this race. And I, I want us to think about that today as we kind of launch into this new year. That, that great chapter in Hebrews chapter 12 that talks about this, this great race. So if you have your Bibles, if you would, open them to Hebrews chapter 12. If you're using one of our house Bibles uh, from the seat uh, in front of you underneath it, it's going to be a page of 1008 if you want to go ahead and turn there. But we're going to read the first four verses of Hebrews chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus our founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood." This is the word of the Lord. God's word here in Hebrews chapter 12 compares this life that we have to this journey to like a race. And it's not like a sprint where, you know, you, it's, you just breathe real hard, real fast, and, it, and it's over. It's much more like a marathon. But I would say it's not only much more like a marathon, it's kind of like a marathon mud run, obstacle course for SEAL Team 6 to train on. Okay, so that's, if, if you can kind of get something like that in your mind, that's what this, this race is like. And with any race, you know, whether it is a, a sprint or a marathon or this unbelievable marathon, mud run, obstacle course kind of thing, you're going to get tired. And your side's going to ache and you're going to get out of breath and there are going to be times you're running this race and you're fighting these obstacles and you're going to feel like doing what? Quitting. You're going to feel like throwing in the towel. Somewhere along the way, you may even fall down. You're going to need help getting back up. I want you to look back at verse 3. Verse 3 says this. Consider him. Consider him. He's talking about Jesus who endured. So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Now, the implication here is that's going to happen to all of us. Every last one of us are going to go through some season of weariness, some tendency to lose heart, to, to feel discouraged, to, to maybe feel overwhelmed, to get, to get defeated. So God in his word gives us some things to hang on to, to cling to when those moments come, some things we can bring to mind. So that we don't give up. So that we can run the race that he's marked out for us. And so what I want us to do is I want to take some time this morning for us to look at what has God given us to effectively run the race that he has marked out for us. This race, as you know, if you've lived life very long at all, it's unpredictable, isn't it? How many of you looking back on 2019, maybe you had an incident or two and you thought, you looking back you think, if I had known that was coming, I'd have figured out how to get out of this thing. You know, you, you just, you didn't know it was coming, you didn't see it, and it just, it was on you. And it, you felt like overwhelmed by it. See, there are going to be some obstacles in the coming year, the coming decade, that are just going to be unexpected. There are going to be some mountains, some, some walls you're going to run into that are too great for you to get over by yourself. There are going to be some pits that you're going to fall in on this race that, that God has given us. But the first thing that I want you to see uh, uh, about this race is this. 
And it's a gift. It's given by God so that you can know this. God has given us a marked out race path. God, has, God is the one that has set the course. If you've ever run in a race, let's say you've done like the Cooper River Bridge run. There were people who got up early that morning, actually late that night, and started marking out the course. So you know where to go, which road to turn down, how to get to the finish line. Well, the Bible says that God himself has marked out this race path for you. He set the course. Hebrews 12.1 tells us, run with endurance the race that is set before us. NIV says, the race that is marked out for us. God has laid this thing out. I told you, you know, I've, I've been reflecting some this past week about the people that I've seen on, on the, the, the race course as I've been running uh, with my 30 plus years of ministry here on, on this church, in this church. I, I've, I've got to see a lot of people give their lives to Christ. One of the things I love about what happens when we do baptism here is people just celebrate, people clap and applaud, sometimes yelling breaks out. It, that's, that's a fun thing to watch that happen. There, there's this celebration of, of what's going on. People are trying to encourage one another of what God is doing in their life. And I just started thinking about how much I love watching people run the race. I, I, I love it. And so I know when somebody stirs the baptismal waters, I don't have a clue what their race is going to look like. I don't know what mountains or obstacles or anything like that. I don't know what challenges they're going to face. They don't either. But again, over the course of years, you get to see some, some remarkable moments. Recently, I, I went to the hospital to visit a, a family who had just, a new life had come. There was this, this new little child. And I got to pray with this mom, uh, kind of dedicating her child right there in the hospital room and herself to raising this child to honor the Lord. And it hasn't been that terribly long ago that she had stirred the waters of baptism. That she had been kind of just radically saved by God. Grace fell on her and it was just, it was cool. And then I just get to pray with her in the hospital with this new little wife. That's her race. She's running that race. And God's doing some incredible things. A few years ago, it, it wasn't quite as what I would call as happy uh, an occasion. Um, I was called in to do a funeral for a man who several years earlier had gotten sick and uh, the family had asked me to go visit with him and I, I went and visited him with the hospital at the hospital and uh, over the course of time he, he, got, he got well, he got released from the hospital, he was doing better and um, I, I began seeing him at church. And then later on he got sick again, got hospitalized, and uh, he went home to be with the Lord. And when I was preparing to do the funeral, I met with some of his family members, and they were telling me about the difference in this man's life. How that, that time after he rededicated his life to Christ, he had been a Christian, he, he kind of walked away from the Lord, but how the bitterness had kind of melted away. How some despair in his life, how, how his hopes had changed for his life and for his family. His, his de demeanor had changed. And it was nothing but the grace of God because he began running this race differently knowing that, that, that God was in it. God was leading him in a new fresh way. And, and so there was this celebration that I, I get to do as I, I, I see this and I, I, I see this in, in other people's lives. But here's the other thing. I also thought about some people who started running this race and they, they stirred the waters of baptism and they, they ran out of the gate really hard and really fast. 
like a gazelle, man. And people thought, man, they're going to they're gonna make a difference. And, and they're not here today. And when I say here, I don't mean that they moved somewhere else or they, they changed churches or anything like that. I mean, they're, they're, they're not in the race right now. They've, they've, they've stepped out of the race, dropped out altogether. They started off strong and determined. But see, here's what I know about, and most of you, if you've ever run a race, you know this. The start is not the hard part in a marathon. It's that finish line. Trying to, trying to get there, that's the hard part. The most difficult part is to keep going. So there are three other things that God's word tells us he gives us in this race that he's marked out for us. And, and remember, because God has marked out this race, there will be no, there, there's never a place in this book where God goes, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. It's not in here. God knows what's coming in your race because he's the one who marked it out. And there's great joy in, for me. It, it, it allows me not to live with great fear because I know that my God has marked it out. And whatever comes into my life is going to ultimately be for my good and his glory. If he's let it come. And so I walk with him in that. But even knowing that, the race is still hard, isn't it? This race can be sometimes so difficult. And we have good intentions and we start strong. But sometimes life has a way of just wearing us down. We start strong. We, in a new year, we start strong. When I read an article not long ago about um, because of all the apps that are out there and the way uh, people purchase things electronically and just everything that's going on. Uh, they're able to track uh, us as consumers. What happens? And there was this article was comparing what happens from January to February. There's a trend that happens just about every year, January to February, that, that they're able to track. And so one of the things that they track uh, among consumers was this. Alcohol sales go up 40% in February from January. Okay? Ice cream sales go up 15% from February. You know, from January to February, they go up. Pizza sales, 35%. Why do you think that is? Because we make intentions where things are going to change. It's going to... There was one chart that they had that kind of compared this. It was the comparison on people going to the gym and people going through the drive through windows at fast food restaurants. In January, Jim was knocking it out of the park. Fast food way down here. February, whoop. I mean, it was opposite almost. It was, it was just crazy how, how different it, it, it is because we, we start fast. We get out of the gate good, but then that, that human nature thing and this thing called life, we have this tendency to just be worn down. And, and here's what God's word says to us in this to, to encourage us in those moments when we feel beaten down like we can't keep going. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says this, therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now what that verse tells me is this, that God has given us inspiration and instruction from this great cloud of witnesses. 
And that's why that therefore is in there, because that therefore is actually referring back to what hopefully you've already read in, in Hebrews chapter 11, which is the great faith chapter. It's like the hall of fame of faith. And there's some incredible things that the scriptures tell us about people who have gone on before us who are this great cloud of, of, of witnesses. And in Hebrews 11, you, you see different ones popping up, and there's this imagery of this great cloud of witnesses, and you're in the race, you're, you're on that course, you're running, and these people are surrounding the race course, and they're cheering you on. They're in the stands cheering you on, and they're saying, you can do it. You, don't give up. Don't, don't quit. We did it. You, you can do it too. And so in, in Hebrews chapter 11, we read about some of these people. And I just want to say this. This is another great reason for soaking and soaping in the Word of God. Because some of those people will become some of your best friends. They'll just become some of your best friends as you read the stories of their lives. And you will find encouragement from them. You will, you will be able to hear them cheering you on. Saying, don't make the same stupid mistakes I did. You know, do, 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 do it differently. God's got a, got a better plan. You get in Hebrews chapter 11, and there's a story uh, referenced to Noah. And most of you know that Noah built the ark. You remember how many years it took Noah to build that thing? 120 years. I remember when we were building this building. I didn't think we would ever get done. And it really only took a couple years. A hundred and twenty years. Some of y'all have like, you know, been in a, a project where you were having your house built. And you can't wait to get, and it felt like a hundred and twenty years. You know, it, it's just this, it's, it's incredible. And I can imagine Noah saying to some of you in 2020, stepping into this new decade, I know you're tired. But, but don't give up. I know you're waiting on God to fulfill his promises, to make it rain. It's coming. God's promises are coming, so don't, don't quit. I know, you've, I, I, I know that you're, you've been trying to be a witness at work, and it doesn't feel like it's making any difference. Don't quit. I know that you're trying to, to rebuild your marriage, to, to, to rebuild your family, and it doesn't feel like you're getting any traction whatsoever. Don't, don't quit. Be faithful. D don't give up. That point... Where you're closest to quitting is the point where you're also closest to receiving victory. It's the same point on the line. So don't, don't give up. You go down a few verses after the passage about Noah and you'll, you'll see Joseph showing up. And early on in Joseph's life, you could almost think that God was against him. That God was plotting and planning against him. And Joseph's attitude could have been, God, what are you thinking? He's sold into slavery. You know, he, he's thrown into prison for a, a crime he doesn't commit. And I believe if Joseph was here today, what he would say to some of us is God, even in that, God is working for your good. You may not see it right now. You, you may not sense it right now, know it right now. But God can be trusted. God, God can be trusted. He will, he will be with you when it makes no sense. There are some things that happened to you that somebody else intended for evil. And it hurts. It hurt you then and it still hurts today. But Joseph would say, don't doubt that God can rebuild. 
Don't doubt that God can't heal beyond that. Believe in his promises that he will work all things together for his good for those who trust in him. God, God's at work doing that. Don't get tired. And he just, he stands in that crowd of witnesses cheering you on. There's another, a few verses down. Her name is Rahab. Some of you may remember Rahab. She was a prostitute that got used by God to actually save his people during a, the conquest of the promised land. And then she was brought into God's family. And she obviously became very, very special to God because she's in the lineage about 17, 18 generations back of, as being Jesus' great, 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 great 17 grandma. That she, she's there. And I believe if, if, if you could hear Rahab cheering you on, what you would probably hear her say to you is this. Some of you are weighed down by your past. You're, you're, you're glad you're in the race now. You're glad you're here. But you're still so weighed down by your past and you think it's really, it's really just too late for God to use me in any significant way. There's just too much in my past, too much water under the bridge. Things are too messed up. And here's what Rahab would say to you today, I believe with my whole heart. God can take the very brokenness of your story and redeem it. He can claim it for his own good, his own glory. He can take that area in your life where you feel you are the ultimately most unqualified and he can demonstrate his power and his strength through you in that area. So when you start to feel tired and when you're feeling worn out, and you feel like, I, I just, I'm going to stop. You need to listen. You don't need to stop. You need to pause maybe and hear the roar. You need to hear the roar of that crowd who've gone on before you cheering you on. In Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us about another group of people who were there cheering you on. Verse 36 says, some faced jeers and floggings, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They were, uh, went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. So, when you feel like quitting... And your journey just feels too cumbersome. Remember that there are those who have gone before you that the world was not worthy of who are cheering you on because you're, you're a part of that crowd that the world is not worthy of. And you can think about them. You can also remember others meeting around the world. Who probably when they trusted Christ didn't get people shouting and clapping when they got baptized. Because they're, they're having to do things in hiddenness. They didn't get celebrated probably. They're, they're, they're worshiping instead of meeting like this. They're worshiping in basements just waiting for soldiers to break in and kick the doors in and arrest them. They constantly live with consequences and the threat of persecution. Simply because they did what you did one day. They decided to follow Jesus. So maybe, maybe when you're feeling discouraged, maybe, maybe you feel like quitting, you can just stop for a moment and think about the, the great crowd of witnesses that are around the world running the race, that are sacrificing in ways we can't imagine, what they're giving up, and how they're holding on to God. 
How they're claiming the promises of God in, in situations we can't understand. Because he has promised that he will be with you. And that he will give you ways to stay strong. Another thing that God's word tells us that he is giving us in this race marked out for us. Is God has given us a team. He, he's given us a team. Again and again and again in the book of Hebrews, there's this two-word phrase, just this little two-word phrase. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, let us. Used multiple times. Let us. And the implication here is that we're on this journey together, that this race is not meant to be a solo race. You've, you've seen this image coming up of this team that's helping each other along, sometimes having to hold up a bridge so you can get across. See, it, this is a, it says let us. It doesn't say let me, let me. Some of you try to run the race that way. This is a let us kind of race. God has given us a team that we would want to run the race that way. And God's word tells us that, that we need a team to, to accomplish a few things. He tells us let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And there's the implication here that you're not going to be able to do that by yourself. You're not going to be able to, 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 to do that. Now, I, I love the way the, the writer here is inspired by the Holy Spirit and he separates things that hinder and the sin. And see, what that, what that says to me is there, there, there's that reference to hindering. There are some things that could hinder your race that aren't necessarily sin. Not for everybody. You, it may not show up in, in, in the scriptures. But there are things that are like a weight that just keep you from running the, the, the race. It may not necessarily be sin. It may not be evil. But for you, it's keeping you out of just a, a, a great race. Again, it may not be necessarily evil for, for somebody else. But for you, it's destructive. It slows you down. keeps you from running the race that God has marked out, mar marked out for you. And so, this is the time of year when we begin gearing up. Thinking about things that maybe need to change. And maybe what we need to do is include those things that are keeping us from really running that race that will bring great glory to God and great good in my own life and in those around me. And so, it, every week, we do a worksheet. And every week on the back of the worksheet, there are a couple questions. And one of those questions is, what is God saying to me today? What am I going to do about it? And then basically, who am I going to tell that I'm making these decisions so they can encourage me? And maybe today what you want to do is to think about and write down, as the Holy Spirit reveals it, what are some things that are hindering your life? What are some things that I need to reorder so that my race looks different in 2020? So that I can run in a way that God has planned for me, what, he, what he's marked out so I can really accomplish it. It goes on to say that I also must get rid of the sin that so easily entangles me. There are, there are some of us here who have sins that just keep tripping us up. It's an entanglement sin. They just keep tripping us up. You've experienced it. And you're so frustrated by him. You, you made this decision. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run this race. But here's what you tried to do. You tried to still hang on to that easily entangled sin. You're trying to, you're trying to do both. 
You're trying to run this race with that, that entanglement and it's weighing you down because you haven't repented of it. You haven't let it go. You haven't surrendered it to God. You still want to play with that a little bit. And the last thing you would do is even think about telling your brothers and sisters, going to your teammates and, and telling them about it. Folks, did you know that's where the Bible says that's where real healing takes place? When we confess our sins to one another, that's part of what the team does for one another. We, we receive for one another. We pray for one another. We, we confess our, our sins to one another. And some of you are carrying this weight around. And you, in your Christian walk, you don't feel like you're making any progress at all. Because you're not. Because you're entangled. You're working hard. You're, you're trying to pump your arms and move your legs. But you're constantly being sucked back in. And it's slowing your progress down. And, and God's word to you says, you got to cut it out. You got to cut it loose. That thing that's in, you got to cut that out. Verse 4 tells us how seriously we need to take this. It tells us how seriously we need to deal with this sin that entangles us. It says this, in your struggle against what? Against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. When, when I read that this week, I had a, a flashback from an old high school football coach I had at Stahl High School. His name was Coach Walker. He was like our weight training coach and, and he was a maniac. And I, I mean, seriously, I, I heard him. I heard his voice say, what are you talking about still? You're not bleeding yet. Get back out there. And that, that's what I remember when I thought about it. You have not yet shed blood in your battle against sin. We need to take this, this seriously. We need to deal with this very, very, very seriously. Others have died because of their commitment to Christ. Pursuing him. Some of you read, maybe even saw the video of the 11 Nigerians that it got released on Christmas Day who had been beheaded for their faith in Christ. Just, just a few weeks ago, Christmas Day. They have shed their blood. We get upset when we get a hangnail for Jesus. You know? We have not yet. And we've got to deal with these entanglements. These commitments that we have made. But it's difficult. A few months back I read an article in Forbes magazine. And the article was about kind of a phenomenon that's happened in our culture in, in recent years. And it's this, this boom in, in the sales of workout clothes that are being worn for leisure. And it's created a whole niche called athleisure wear. I promise you, you can look it up. Athleisure wear. And so they take the word athletics and they take the word leisure and they combine them and you got this athleisure. Now I hope you noticed that it was only like half the word athletic and all of the word leisure. Because that's really mostly what it's about. And the article talked about these people that, you know, they're going to wear workout clothes. They have no plans of working out. None whatsoever, but they got to do this athleisure wear because they, they think it's comfortable. And they think, you know, when I, I, I wear this, and you can check, check up on it, it's a hundred billion dollar a year industry. 
100 billion dollars and so you know what happens is it, it, the article talked about people are you know they're buying running shoes and they're buying running shorts they ain't running <laughs> they have no plans to go running you know they just get up in the morning and they they they, they want to they, they want to be comfortable you know and so they, they put on their, their running shoes and their running shorts, you know, and they feel like they've done something. You know, they, they, they kind of, you got dressed. That's, that's all you did. Now think about the dichotomy that this creates just in, in the human mind. Because we, you know, we love clothes that are comfortable, but we avoid working out because it's not so comfortable. And so it creates this place, this space in our, in our lives where we can compromise things, so where, where we think, well, if, if I look like I'm doing it, maybe, maybe I'm doing it, you know? That kind of spilled over in my thinking to our spiritual lives, to, to the way we, we, we think about just, just our spiritual lives. You know, we, we go through the motions sometimes. We want that abundant life you know we, we, we want to do that we want God in our lives as long as he's comfortable when it starts getting a little uncomfortable I want a new race course man I, I, I want to sign up for a different race you know get get me out of here we, we, we might dress up we might do the Christian thing but we're not running not, not, not really and the challenge this year, this, this new decade, run, run, pursue, put on your shoes, yes, lace them up, yes, get out the door and pound some spiritual pavement, work up a spiritual sweat. God's word in, in verse 1 still tells us to let us run with endurance. NIV says, let us run with perseverance. Let us do that. There's, a, there's an interesting little verse, uh, uh, two chapters earlier in, in Hebrews chapter 10. It has, this, it has this let us thing in it again. It says, let us not, verse, verse 25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Friends, we, we've got to, we need each other. You know, we, we, we need each other. And I, again, I've seen so many times over the years people make some kind of spiritual decision. They, they decided, I want to follow Jesus, but that whole church thing. And for some of them, it looks like it's going to work out. That they're going to, you know, them and Jesus got a good thing going on. They're just them. But then a mountain comes. And a pit opens up in front of them. And they fall in. And they wonder, where's everybody? Where, 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 where? Because they, they didn't invest. And, and now they're, they're struggling because something unexpected happens. You know, it may look like, you know, well, I got a little extra time because I'm not doing that whole church thing and small group thing and, you know, prayer group. I'm, I'm not, I got time for other stuff. And then life happens. See, we're not meant to run this race alone. Some of you may be here today because I've met people in this church at times who have, who have been with us who made a decision to follow Jesus but the, the whole church thing was a struggle for them because of something that had happened in their past in church. 
I remember talking to a guy in his 50s who had began following Jesus, wanted nothing to do with the church because years earlier, his dad had left he and his mom, divorced her, chased after another woman, and the church that they were a part of rejected them. Rejected them. And he was, he was living with this pain years later. He, he was living with this bitterness because he, he felt rejected. He, he, he needed grace. His mother needed grace. And what they got was judgment. And some of you here have experienced the flavor of Christianity like that before. And it may not make any difference coming from me. But I want you to hear me say it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. I, I, I'm sorry. The truth is every, every church, this church, is imperfect. We're imperfect people with a very imperfect pastor. We're, we're going to let you down. I'm probably going to let you down. But, but here's the deal. Together, imperfectly, but together, we can run this race. We can find the grace of God through one another. But the most important thing to remember is the one who designed the race for us to run together. Verse 2 calls him this, the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's the one that designed it to be run together, even though it's going to be imperfect. Hebrews 2 says, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. See, our hope is in him. Our hope is not in each other. If you put your hope in me or the person seated next to you, you're in trouble. We're going to let each other down. Our hope is in Him. But He told us to do this together, even do it imperfectly together, to encourage one another, to strengthen one another. When somebody falls down, somebody else be the body of Christ to pick them up. I'll do that for you. You're, some of you are going to have to do that for me. It's, it's part of the, running this great race. We need each other. So don't give up the habit of getting together, of being together. Be, be committed together imperfectly but but together but and this is the the other thing that God has given us you got to keep looking to the founder and perfecter of our faith he's Jesus see God has given us Jesus yes he's our Lord he's our Savior he's our leader but he is also our motivation and our fortification he's also our motivation and fortification when Paul was writing to the church at Corinth he wrote to them about the, the thing that compels him to go on. What, what motivated the Apostle Paul to keep on going, to, to obey, to sacrifice against incredible odds, to do what God had called him to do, to run this race that had been mar God had marked out for him. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 14, Paul writes these words, For Christ's love compels us. Christ's love it's what compels us. I started thinking about that and I thought, just thought about my own life. My, my life as a pastor, about 
When, when I feel tired and worn out, what is the thing, really the only thing that really compels me to go on? Now, if I will be honest with you for a second, I'm going to try to be. I will tell you that there have been times when I have been motivated by guilt. I've, I've been motivated by guilt. Guilt, feeling guilty and, and, and ashamed, some mistakes that I made. And so I get compelled to try to run the race to overcome that guilt. Friends, guilt, shame will never help you run this race. It, it will destroy the race for you. It will never help you run this race. You've got to let go of the guilt. You've got to let go of the burden. If you're going to run the race that God has for you, you've got to hear his voice that's saying in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for you if you're in Christ. Run the race without guilt and shame. You know, I think... I think for some of us, and there have been times when I have even run the race motivated by fear. Maybe fear of what you might think of me if I don't do a certain thing a certain way. Maybe you've been motivated. Maybe you're here today because you were motivated. You didn't want to let somebody down. Maybe you got bat when you got baptized, you did it because, you know, you were trying to make somebody else happy. Friends, if you're going to run this race... The only thing that will really compel you well is, is the love of Christ. Now, please notice this. It is not your love for Christ. Paul didn't say that. That's not what he says. He says the love of Christ. Christ's love for you is what compels you. It is such a compelling... That word that's being used there is such a compelling, overwhelming force that some translations translate that word controlling. The Living Bible translates it, whatever we do. It is certainly not for our own profit because Christ's love controls us now. It's, it's that powerful. When, when you get connected to what Jesus did for you at Calvary and through the power of the resurrection, the life that he lived... His love compels you when you see, when you see his, his love for you. What, what begins to happen is your life gets to a place where you say, I can't stop. I, I won't stop. I, even if I wanted to stop following you, I can't stop because I keep seeing Jesus. I'm compelled by, by the love of Jesus. And so, friends, that's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for you in 2020. It's a four-word prayer. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. That you'll just stay in this race. That you'll, you'll, you'll keep running. You'll keep pressing into the team that God has given you. You'll keep looking to God's word for inspiration and, and instruction. But first and foremost, you're going to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He's the one that gave you your faith. He authored it. He's the one that's perfecting it. You can't do that. He's, he's the one that's doing that. And in order for you to run this race, you're going to look to those who will cheer for you. All around the world and those great witnesses in the word. And we're going to pause and we're going to, we're going to look at our lives. And we're going to see their sin. And we're going to reach out to a brother or a sister and say, help me get untangled. Help me shake off this thing that's hindering me. And then we're going to do this every week. Every week. You need to do this at least every week. You need to do it more than that. You should do it privately at home. But you need to put your eyes on Jesus. You need, you need to, to worship him. You need to think about his compelling love. You need to think about, regularly think about the gospel. What he sacrificed for you. What his plans are for you. Because when I pause and I think about what he's done, I can't stop. 
I won't stop. We can't stop. We, we won't stop. Pray with me. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're here today and maybe you've been letting something else be your compelling force other than Jesus. And you're tired of playing the game. And you're, and you're realizing that God's got a, a course marked out for you, but you haven't been on that course. You've, you've had a course that you've marked out for yourself. And you've decided to do it your way. And the Holy Spirit this morning is beckoning you to him. And maybe for the first time. Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Christ with your life. You've never realized how compelling the love of Jesus really is when you think about him and all that he's done. And you want that. You, you are tired of running your own race and you want to get out of that and into a different race. A race where you will have a team. A race where you can be inspired by the word of God. A race where your life can be changed and transformed. And so where you're at right now today, what you need to do is you just need to call in the name of Jesus. The one who created and authored your faith. The one who will perfect it along the way on this race. You just need to cry out to him. And the Bible says if you call in the name of Jesus with a repentant heart saying, I don't want to do it my way. I want to run the race you've marked out. I want to do it your way, God. The Bible calls that repentance of sin. And you can seek him with your whole heart. The Bible says, make him your savior, your Lord. And the Bible says, if you call on him that way, call on the name of Jesus, you'll be saved. And he'll bring you into his family. He'll give you a team. He'll show you through his word how you can be inspired, how your life can be transformed and changed forever, for all eternity. And he'll mark out your course now. And he'll keep Jesus in front of you. Maybe you're here today and you've, you got off of God's planned course for your life. You kind of shifted because the world sent you some kind of message that you need to do it this way. And today the Holy Spirit is saying, get back on the right track. Get back. You can do that today. You can just say to the Lord, God, Lord, I'm, I'm back. I'm coming home. I've tried it my way again. And I need you, God. I need that race you've marked out. I want to run that race with you. I'm back. Maybe, you're, maybe you need to really sign up for a team. Maybe you need to join this church. God is bringing you here. and You, you just need to hear the voice of God and, and, and make the decision. I'm going to make a covenant commitment to, to a church. Whether it's this church or not. Some church somewhere. I'm going to get in. And be a part of a team where I'm going to, I've been here, I'm a member, but I'm not plugged in. I'm going to plug in. I'm going to get in the race in a new way. It's going to be a let us race now instead of let me. So Lord, we come. We come putting all of our hope only in you. We come, God, weary of 
doing it our way, we come surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We want to throw off everything. Keep our eyes on Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 1130 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.